0: Jonathan Majors is out as Kang, Brave New World taps a Moon Knight Rider, James Gunn denounces meaningless cameos, Willy Wonka wins worldwide, and critics ravage Snyder's rebel moon. Plus, I'm in a child's bedroom. All of that and more on this week's Multiverse News.
1: You don't need to call the police, don't worry. Yeah, please, please clarify.
0: Welcome to Multiverse News, your source for information about all your favorite fictional universes. My name is Matthew Carroll, and with me on the panel today to discuss so many, so many big stories this week, uh, we have Haley Hobbs. What's going on, Haley Hobbs?
1: Yeah, lots of stuff tonight. Let's get to it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Jay Sisson, how's it going, bud? I'm sick, but it doesn't matter. I'm here. I'm ready to bring the news. Let's do it. I'm sick every week. It's just Every week now? (laughs) Yeah every week something new something terrible you got an illness that lasts four (laughs)
0: wednesdays only wednesdays or tuesdays um and jay scotty st clair what's happening jay scotty
3: hey doing pretty well here we've got a whole array of news stories to open up just like presents so we should get right to it right
0: absolutely absolutely um um, and Let's do that by getting to, uh, Marvel Studios, uh, spokesperson confirms to HuffPost that Marvel Studios has parted ways with Kang the Conqueror actor, Jonathan Majors, following his highly publicized assault and harassment convictions. Majors has played Kang since 2021, and the character has, was poised to be the next big bad of the cinematic multiverse. Recent reports and writer additions suggest Marvel plans to stay the course with the upcoming Avengers Kang Dynasty still in development. We've had a lot of time to discuss recasting or character changes, but now that the shoe has officially and finally dropped, what actual fallout do we anticipate and how immediately?
2: Yeah, Marvel Studios has clearly been preparing for this for a while. They changed writers on the movie. They um, released this press statement like literally 20 minutes after the verdict came down. Like they had it in the drafts folder. They were just ready to Mm -hmm. send it right out. So they've clearly moved on. We've been talking about that for weeks that they thought we thought that they would ultimately, no matter how the case played out. Uh, To see the way that this came down, I had to put my legal hat on and try to read as (laughs) much as i could to understand what exactly we're looking at here uh we're looking at a case where majors was found guilty on not all of the charges brought against him Uh, he was uh if you want to categorize them uh apparently when you're talking about this sort of charge you have what's called reckless and then you have like which is basically like sort of like non-intentional harm that you've caused to someone, but then you also have like an intentional harm that you've caused to someone. So the way that the case played out, he was found guilty on the reckless charge and the two charges uh, that were More, I guess you'd categorize them as intentional, were the ones that he was found not guilty on. So this has been, we've been talking about it, uh, us four, about when should we cover it? When should we not? Because it seems like every week it was some texts were released and videos were released and all this type of stuff. And we just came to the conclusion that we would have the conversation now, like when it was over. And so getting to that, I mean, if we're looking ahead and we're asking, how is this going to impact major's career i think it probably effectively ends it uh, at this point uh we we know that obviously he's been dropped by marvel um it does raise questions about if you're thinking about the universe as a whole what happens to kang now i think we we talked about the variety article a few weeks ago and talking about well they're totally screwed with the kang stuff I don't think that's the case. I mean, I think they wrapped up that story in a way with Loki, uh, in a way that you could move on if you wanted to. Uh, my two cents on it, and I'd be interested to hear your all's take too, but my two cents is I, I don't know if recasting this character is the right move. Um, it's 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 a weird thing. It's a weird character to recast now because it is a character that we, we lose sight sometimes. We think like he's in everything. He's really not. Most of his screen time in this universe has been on the small screen. It's been on Loki. It's, it, he's appeared in one movie, a movie which did not do well, by the way, like not a lot of people saw. And so when I'm thinking about that and I'm trying to look forward, I, I'm thinking about the fact that like we don't have actors lining up for these roles like they used to. It, it is harder to cast a superhero role now. Than it has been we, we're seeing that in real time with fantastic four and i i think when you're pitching this to someone it's like do you want to play this character that's already been established that was played by somebody else who was taken out in very public way because of a domestic violence trial and now you just got to step in and be the recast version like that's not a good sell and i think you will have a hard time getting someone to do this like as, as weird as that sounds like you, you want to think like I want to be a Marvel of Marvel villain like I just don't think people are lining up like they used to to try to take those roles and I, and i I think you're gonna have a hard time getting like you're not just gonna plug in like a super high profile a list actor like people are already tweeting at John boyega being like hey, hey hey you should be Kang and he immediately responded like Absolutely not. Like, I will not do that. Like, it's a headache. Like, no way. So, I'm interested to hear what you guys think about that question, about the recasting, if you think they should or not, if you think they should move on. Um, I'm of the mind that they should move on, that, that this is a character that you just have to take the loss on and move on from, that recasting makes it very messy for audiences to to like I mean every time you see him on screen it's like you're like, yeah, that's the guy who was in the trial who now is not played by that person anymore. You know, like I, I don't know. Like that's that's how I think I would react in the back of my mind. So um so yeah, messy, messy situation, messy future ahead, um, and a lot of a lot of questions from Marvel Studios for sure.
0: I think it's actually the opposite. I think that like because of this definitive answer we finally have, if they stick to this, which it seems like this has been their plan, and I have a feeling that they were waiting on the conviction to be able to do this probably legally. They probably had some oh, probably yeah. clauses in the contract that were like they couldn't really announce their plans until this was actually official. And once the, the conviction dropped, like you said, 20 minutes later, they're ready. And I think that they have been in this messy place for so long because we're all waiting on this verdict basically and waiting to find out what's going to happen so that they can move on with the story and I think now that this is over and they've cut ties and they're saying they're recasting they're like I think they're in a better and clearer place now than they have been because now we all have something to look forward to we all can look at towards Kang Dynasty and be like I don't know what they're going to do but like when whenever – MCU cast, you know, every week we have these conversations, and it's been harder because there's not benchmarks. We don't know what the next thing is. And now we have things that are coming, and we can start talking again about, like, okay, well, we know Kang Dynasty's coming. And what does that mean for this? And what does that mean for this story? How does this story connect to that story? And, like, we can have these conversations that geeks like to have, and – I don't know. I, th- I think it's a really stronger, a much stronger place to be in just to have anything. I almost don't care if they recast or if they don't. I mean, I do, but like, I think it's better for them to have a decision made, basically. And if they're making that decision to recast, I think it's probably because they have really good plans for Kang Dynasty. And so I'm on board.
1: I've always felt that this is. The point where Marvel has bitten off more than it can chew. To do Kang Dynasty and to say that you're also doing Secret Wars are two, in my mind, two really major events. And I'm not sure why they didn't just go with one or the other. It felt like Kang could have been... I mean, hes he was supposed to be, we think, the Thanos of this, this multiverse saga, right? Um, and yet Secret Wars is a huge, huge event in comics. And it could... If they just shift the focus to Secret Wars, they could, we could write off Kang for now. Like He could come back in the future. And we could let the character breathe a little bit and do that recast. And then maybe it loses some of that uh, stank that's on it right now. Um, but with Secret Wars, you could introduce uh, not necessarily a villain, but a character that's got a lot of villainous traits in the Beyonder. Which would be another huge a multiverse level threat that the Avengers would have to get together to fight so uh, it's it's always felt a little murky those two storylines being announced in the same saga to me so maybe like we've been saying um maybe this is an okay thing for the storylines to take a step back let it breathe um they're already back to calling king dynasty avengers 5 so (laughs) um i think they've already like we've said they've been planning for this they probably have a little bit of a different direction in mind already and i think that's okay
3: yeah, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't think Marvel has officially confirmed that recasting is their decision. I think the only comments they really made is that they've decided to drop Jonathan Major. So I think the internet has just kind of ran with the fact that Mike, Michael Waldron, you know, recently got attached to the Kang Dynasty, and we didn't get a title change. But even when we got that announcement, I said, like, I expect we're going to get a title change down the road. And Haley, I'm glad you brought up the fact that, yeah, like, you know, I don't have an official source for this, but like insider scoopers are kind of saying like internally they've gone back to referring to it as Avengers 5 over the Kang Dynasty. So, um, Jay, I kind of... I align with a lot of your takes on this in terms of, like, recasting versus, you know, just moving on, and um, I've seen a lot of great suggestions, everything from Denzel Washington to his son, John David Washington. I think that would be kind of cool if they did decide to go that direction. You could kind of play with, you know, moving back and forth between time. But I do think it's very loaded boots to step into. So it wouldn't really be attractive to any actor. And yeah, Loki season two kind of tied a nice bow on things. And it's like, if there was a time to kind of move on from this character, it seems like now would be the time. And when I do like think about, you know, in retrospect, how Kang is going to land in the, the large, you know, universe as a whole. It is a little bit of a shame that I will kind of compare him more to like Ultron, where he's treated as a little bit more of a joke than the likes of Thanos, like thinking about the comics, like Kang is a real threat and he should be you know, treated with the same um, weight as someone like Thanos. But, you know, it is what it is. Marvel was kind of dealt a bad hand with this whole situation, but I feel kind of good about the way things have shaken out and I still feel pretty optimistic about the future for Marvel.
0: All right. Well, up next, no stranger to social media, DCU figurehead James Gunn took to threads to share some insights and clear up confusion regarding the many casting announcements surrounding his upcoming Superman legacy. To paraphrase, the filmmaker suggested that pointless cameo porn had contributed to superhero fatigue and defended his cast of characters as the opposite, saying that they are all included in the story for a reason, rather than seconds-long Easter egg appearances. Additionally, Gunn alluded to a meeting with his recently cast Lex Luthor, Nicholas Holt, hinting how their vision of the character would be new and unforgettable. That's a lot of talk from old Jimmy Gunn. Do we think it's just that, big talk, or something more substantial we can dissect?
1: Good old James. He never hangs us out to dry when it comes to something to talk about. And when I first read this, my mind is still kind of programmed to think of James Gunn with Marvel. And I was like, what is he talking about? And then I thought, he's probably really talking about the DCEU and some of the movies that have been coming out in the later stages of the DCEU. Like The Flash, where we had George Clooney coming out this week and saying, yeah, that was a total one-off. Like, I'm never ever going to be doing that again. I don't think anybody wants that. It's not like the calls were ringing my phone off the hook or anything like that to be Batman again. So I think that he's trying to set a standard for his DCU that he's not going to be flippant with his cameos or his Easter eggs. And we know from his work on the Guardians franchise that he's very intentional with the things that he does, even if maybe they don't end up turning out the way he might have wanted them to i'm thinking of adam warlock that character caught a lot of flack this year for being not very consequential but Gunn introduced him back in the second movie i liked it but that's beside the point um mm. so i i do think he's actually being this is like one of the more strategic things we've seen come from his social media talk um and i think the temperature on nicholas holt as lex Luthor seems um lukewarm but I feel mm. like that's just DC fans doing DC fans things <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love anytime people are talking about Alex Luthor casting they just pick like the angry bald guy like who's the angry bald guy in Hollywood like Brian Cranston like it's got to be a bald guy that's been angry on screen it's like you know we can we can think bigger than this
3: <laughs> yeah I think these uh comments made a lot of sense actually like uh, thinking about all the casting announcements we've gotten for Superman Legacy, like I look back to the comics and like thinking about Maxwell Lord, who Sean Gunn was recently cast as like Maxwell Lord started out as just that. He was a supporting character that was like there in and out through each ish- issue and went on to have a, a larger story. So I do think, you know, he's kind of like, it's some veiled shade at maybe, you know, some of the DCEU um, movies, like you mentioned the flash there. I also think about a lot of the appearances wonder woman made in the flash as well as Shazam. Mm-hmm. And I even think back to like some of Zack Snyder's film, like even like the, you know, the, um, Extended cut of uh the Justice League or even Josh Sweden's version. Like that moment with the Green Lantern ring was great, but in the great scheme of things, it was just that. It was just a one moment to be like, oh, that's cool, and then no impact outside of that. So uh I do like these statements. I think it is a little bit of a case of uh headlines sensationalizing his comments a little bit. And I think once you get the context behind them, he's learning slowly but surely to be a little bit more measured with some of his statements. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yes,
2: we'll see. <laughs> I don't know. I like having a show every week, though. So you know, if he wants to, if he wants to keep going, like, let's do this. Sure, sure.
1: He listens, so you know.
0: <laughs> I was literally thinking that, like, how often are we just going to talk about whatever James Gunn said this week? You know what I mean? It's, he does. <laughs> he says something ever. every week. <laughs> we need to make it like a weekly bit. Like yeah. this week in James Gunn's corner, <laughs> James Gunn news. <laughs> yeah. It's like there, we talk about our different universes, Marvel, Star Wars, DC, but this isn't really – it's just James Gunn. Just James Gunn's little corner of the universe. I, I, I do think um,
3: – James Gunn's been firing off at the mouth again. <laughs> <laughs> Future headline.
0: So, yep, for sure. I do think this bodes well uh, if, if he means these things, but it is just like talk, so we'll, we'll see. Um, I I will say like – given his like experience in like suicide squad like sure all those characters have a purpose but not like a real one like you know they they're there to make you laugh or they're there to do something but like a lot of times his characters i mean sure suicide squad is a specific case because it's the suicide squad and you're losing them throughout but i'm just thinking about his dc appearance up until now and like there're definitely a lot of characters that mean nothing <laughs> so like <laughs> i don't know to the overarching story anyway Let's take a quick break, and we're going to be back with lots more news. Stick around. We got a Wonka talk. Oh, yeah. Wonka corner, baby.
2: All that ref to this.
1: No escape.
2: (laughs) We're going to talk about Wonka, and you're going to like it. Don't you dare hit the 30-second skip button.
3: (laughs) I would like to see the retention data (laughs) for those parts of the show.
0: Welcome back to Multiverse News, everybody. Uh, let's move on to our next story. Uh, instead of chocolate, here at the show we're eating crow because uh, Wonka defied our expectations and won the box office as well as won over audiences worldwide in its opening weekend. The Paul King-directed, Timothy Chalamet-starring holiday tentpole musical prequel danced... <laughs> To the domestic number one spot to the tune of $39 million, contributing to its $151 million global haul. How are we feeling about the unexpected singing start for Wonka and its ability to satisfy sweet teeth as we head into the holiday weekend?
3: I wanted to tackle the story because I did see Wonka and I went in with the lowest of expectations, probably my least anticipated movie of the holiday season. And, you know, I, I have to say... It won me over. It, it charmed me. <laughs> Did it have any substance whatsoever? Not really, but it 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 worked. You know, it was pleasant to to watch. It had some catchy tunes. <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. I will say, like the trailer didn't do him any favors. They like they kind of isolated the most awkward lines and kind of put them in there. And do I see him as Gene Wilder? No, I don't. But I think the movie does enough to kind of differentiate itself from that 1971 film while also paying a lot of homage to it, and it does work. And you know, this is a um, a career high for Paul King director. This is his highest opening weekend. Then it's the third highest opening weekend for Timothy Chalamet. So I think, you know, 2023 has been quite a, a year for movies, but as we kind of, enter the end here uh seems like it's hitting a little bit of a slump especially with Aquaman so I think Wonk is going to really benefit and as families are kind of thinking about like what movie are we going to go see this holiday you know season I think Wonk is going to kind of come first to mind because it plays it safe it doesn't do anything super dangerous or challenging and it's it's just really pleasant and saccharine and will I remember it next year maybe not but right now I uh, I enjoyed it
1: I think the takeaway is um, we said, who is this movie for? And it's just was clearly not us.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it's interesting that all these holiday movies are all Warner brothers, like Wonka, the color purple and Aquaman mm. are all Warner brothers. They're just like, you know what? We're going to have the number one box office movie over Warner the holiday weekend. America. Like <laughs> no one's going to get in our way. It's just us V us. But, uh, that's, that's weird. but yeah, I, I think this is a, I mean, this is a good start um, I think it's gonna have some solid weekends it got an a minus cinema score which mm. is really good like that's that's uh right there where, with like big tentpole movies that people go out and see on the second and third and uh, weekends and when I'm thinking Christmas I'm kind of thinking like if you're thinking it's not a Christmas movie but if you're thinking hey we want to go to the theater for sort of a Christmas kind of thing. That's probably the one that you're going to choose. So I think we will see some solid few weekends from it here. I think it'll continue to grow and it seems to be very popular overseas. And um, you would only expect that that would continue.
0: Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about it here in the lightning round in a few minutes. So stick around. But uh, Aquaman is having more and more reasons not to go see it. Uh, It feels like uh, in in the ways that we've discussed. And so like, (laughs) it being a challenger for this, because it, it comes out this weekend, correct? It does. Yeah. yeah. So I think as a challenger, it's kind of weak and it being a holiday weekend, going to see movies with families. That's a big day. A lot of people go on Christmas or Christmas Eve to go as a family to the movies. And so I think Wonka has a much better chance of maybe even, I don't know, man, I know I'm on the other side of this bet, but <laughs> I, I think, I, I think an, another bet could be will, Aquaman take down Wonka as the number one movie because I really don't know.
3: I mean, is anyone going to take that bet at this point in the game, though?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Those guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, like, because generally, if if a new movie is just going to do better, like it generally, the new movie takes it regardless. Almost, Um, But this this week, I really don't know if Aquaman has what it takes to take Wonka down. I think it's going to be really interesting to see. Yeah.
1: It's Jason Momoa versus Shalamar Bing Bong, and who's <laughs> going to win? Who Probably Shalomel. Going... Yeah,
0: I don't know, man. I mean, the, the, there's still a lot of people who want to see a DC movie. I I, I want to see them both. I'm going to but... see it. I'm yeah, seeing it too. I'm, I've got my I'm tickets. I'm going to see it too. Mm. But you
2: guys have fun with that. You guys will have a great great time.
1: We'll all
0: send you pictures.
1: <laughs> the, uh,
3: the main reason I'm seeing it is because I want to see you. You know, eat a ghost Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, up next, critics' reviews for Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire. Oh, Lord, these titles have hit (laughs) the internet ahead of its December 21st Netflix debut, and the consensus has been overwhelmingly... Negative. Uh, The film currently holds a 26% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Snyder and his films have often been subjects in the emerging conversation surrounding the seeming divide between critics and audiences, and the director has already announced a director's cut with close to an hour of extra content. What, if any, impact do these reviews have on our own anticipation of Rebel Moon Part 1, Fire Lady or whatever, (laughs) <laughs> part or part 2 for that matter <laughs>
2: I think the simulation that we live in is getting a little lazy, and already, <laughs> in already queuing up a Snyder director's cut. Like it's a little too on the nose. That is that... Zack
1: Snyder the robot? Is he the AI?
2: <laughs> like people are, are going to be banging the table. Like we want the Snyder cut of Rebel Moon Part One, and then we want the Snyder cut of Rebel Moon Part Two. It's like this yeah. is just going to be a thing with Zack Snyder movies. I guess at this point. <laughs> but like he's already announced a three hour director's (laughs) cut of part two (laughs) (laughs) like i think snyder movies are so they're so unique culturally Mm -hmm. and critically speaking because it seems that people who review movies at these levels for publications and in the media, just do not like Zack Snyder movies. Like it just seems like that's kind of the the view across the board. He is going to be him in the movies that he makes. Um, I was reading descriptions of this movie and it's like lots of slow motion, lots of like, you know, all this type of stuff that we've come to know Zack Snyder for seems to show up in this movie. And I think that if you aren't, into that if you're not into his style you're probably going to not just not like this you're probably going to hate this like you're probably going to just be annoyed the entire time it does not seem it like it draws people in who are in the middle um, I will say that the marketing campaign for the movie I feel like has been very good um, I feel like the trailers look good and they're all over TV and I feel like Netflix has done a good job to try to convince people to watch it. Um, I am still very interested in seeing it. Uh, I've I've read uh, within the mess of negative reviews, I have found other people who have. Come away quite liking it and feeling like it does set up a really interesting part two, uh, but that the movie does feel like Zack Snyder literally made like a five hour movie and then just took a razor blade and just cut it down the middle and made it Oof. part one and part two. And that's what it feels like at the end of this movie. So I'm not psyched about that. But still, I, I am interested <laughs> in seeing it, and and uh, we'll we'll see. You know, I'm I'm just uh, I'm just gonna kind of hold the cards and listen and uh, watch this for myself and see what see what happens on the other end.
1: Um, I hate the name of the second one, which is the Scar Giver.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. I also hate
0: that. <sighs> there are Zack Snyder movies I've really enjoyed, you know, really, really, but like. I can't get away from, there's a YouTuber named Patrick H. Willem, who I recommend a lot of his videos. Really, really wonderful. But he made a video uh, that's like, Zack Snyder, our himbo auteur. I think it's just called the Zack Snyder video, but in the thumbnail, he's, he's doing this and like holding his arms up, it says our himbo auteur. And it's just, just breaking down his movies and how like They are flashy with no substance. Like, literally, like, this movie is about this. But if you look at the substance of the movie, it doesn't... None of the themes are supported. None of the things... It's just, like... And I just can't unsee that video. Like, and I just always think about that whenever I think about Zack Snyder and his overall, like, thing. He's great at making iconography. He's just a wonderful, like, flashy director. But, like, his... He, it's like he doesn't it, there's nothing under the surface it feels like and you can it's almost so nothing under the surface that you can like write your own thing under the surface and i know a lot of people who love his movies and are always talking about how meaningful they are and i just never see it i'm like i don't i don't see that i don't see that yeah. uh that take but um anyway Check you know, out that Patrick H. Willem video. I actually have
3: <laughs> checked out a couple of Patrick H. William, Willem videos recently at your rec- recommendation mm. here, Matt. I watched you know, uh, The Death of Cinema, and then I think I also watched uh, – he did one recently about how Ryan Reynolds and The Rock have – like transcended like the age of the movie star to become like more like brand figureheads and like that's their their whole it's it's really interesting stuff. He's a really good video ass, essayist. But I actually in mm-hmm. my recommendations I've been seeing, you know, Zack Snyder our himbo auteur So I'm glad you mentioned that because I if you didn't, I was going to and I'm looking forward to watching it, but I haven't yet. But uh you know these reviews, they do kind of like knee jerk reaction. They confirm some of my worst fears, you know, uh it's kind of a laundry list of Zack Snyder's repeat offenses. And it, it's, it does sound like it's, you know, a case of style over substance. And for me, you know, I, I don't, it, I, it doesn't dissuade me from still wanting to see this movie. Like I'm going to check this movie out and make my own opinion, or at least give it a try. And, um, it just makes me think about like Zack Snyder and his body of work. And I really do think he's just best served when he's adapting material rather than doing his own thing. And even though this is very heavily influenced by star Wars and originated as a pitch for, you know, rogue one, I, it just kind of seems like the consensus is more in line with like what he did with sucker punch, where it's just like, you know, characters that are doing cool things on screen, but you really just don't care at all. So, you know, mm. uh, the jury's still out on this one and I still will check it out, but, uh, Maybe going in with some measured expectations and some reservations.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, up next, let's uh, let's hit the Spotify poll. Uh, I I thought this was an interesting question just because I assumed the answer would be, but it's nice to see it confirmed. Uh, the the question was, do you like to look at leaks or try to avoid them? Um, and we had, uh, "Gimme them leaks" got nine percent. <laughs> And save the surprises, please. Got ninety percent. Um, so yeah, I think that, that that's what I would expect from our audience um, because I think that's that's how the, how we feel. Like I want to hear the news, but I don't like when it's just like leaks that are. Yeah, I like sure. when the company rolls things out properly. I don't want to yes. watch a
2: movie and feel like I'm like going down a checklist. Like saw mm-hmm. that, saw that, saw mm-hmm. that. Oh, this is uh, this didn't show up that I saw a leak of, you know, or whatever. Like yes. I just want to watch a movie? I hate that hate that Hate that.
3: for those that voted that they do want the leaks i'm not going to tell you you're wrong but it just puts the burden of responsibility on you you can enjoy those leaks just don't (laughs) propagate them don't spread them just you know (laughs) enjoy them in isolation
0: please keep your leaks yourself
3: quarantine (laughs) yourself some men some men just
0: want to
2: watch the world burn
0: (laughs) (laughs) so true so true all right, we have a lot more to talk about after the ad break. So much in the lightning round that could have even been main stories. So uh, we'll we'll try to keep this one tight, but you know us, probably won't. <laughs> lightning round after this. Welcome back to Multiverse News. Before we dive into the lightning round, let's uh, just throw out, if you like this show, if you find value in it, and you'd like an ad-free version that you can get, directly into uh, many of the podcatchers you can actually insert your patreon feed to uh you can go to patreon.com slash multiverse newscast and sign up for the patreon it's four dollars a month and it supports this show it keeps us going uh we appreciate all of those over there doing that thank you thank you thank you and uh, i heard there was a contest this week
1: yeah we had a special giveaway just for the patrons not uh not for any outsiders. So, if you want special <laughs> giveaways, special polls, um, maybe you can be part of the show. Like next week's show, you'll hear you can have your name shouted out and your thoughts read out. So, yeah, join us over there.
0: Sweet, sweet. Well, yeah. So again, Patreon.com/slash/MultiverseNewscast um, and go join uh, and keep the show, keep the show coming. Um, all right, lightning round. This is the part where I'm gonna read a story. And you can claim that story with by shouting out your name, and th- that that story becomes your story to take give your take on. And everyone gets one rebuttal for the extent of the lightning round. Here we go. Deadline is reporting that Marvel Studios has tapped Moon Knight series writer Matthew Orton to take a crack at rewriting Captain America Brave New World. According to these reports, Orton's rewrite will add new material to previous iterations of the script, including a treatment completed by Falcon and Winter Soldier showrunner Malcolm Spellman, with the new sequences to be filmed during the production's extensive reworks.
1: Haley, uh, I think this didn't screen super well, so they're taking some major steps to remedy that which even though we're sad we only get one MCU movie next year at least they're working on the future projects
0: yeah 100% Poor Things star Christopher Abbott is set to replace Ryan Gosling in the upcoming Wolfman film from Blumhouse and Universal The Wolfman will be directed by Lee Winnell of Invisible Man fame and will release October 25th 2024
3: Scotty Yeah, this is an interesting one. It makes me think back around like 2016, 2017 when Universal kind of like, you know, jump the gate and announce their universal universe of monsters. And they kind of had to dial things back with the poor reception to that mummy movie with Tom Cruise. But I I like what I'm hearing. Um, the invisible man was a really great film that kind of came out in the midst of the pandemic and ended up being like a really, um, strong hit in terms of like, you know, early access and people actually paying full price to like stream a movie at home. And the buzz was just really good. So, um, in terms of Ryan Gosling, I imagine this was like a scheduling conflict uh, from what I hear. He's still going to be credited as a producer and um, is still involved in the process. So I think Ryan Gosling's a, a great talent. And he, if he is kind of signed off on this transition, it just bodes really well. So I'll look forward to it. And yeah, knowing that we're getting it in less than a year, that kind of surprised me that they're going to be able to, you know, kind of pivot and make it happen that quickly. But uh, they seem confident in their ability to do it. So I'll look forward to it.
0: Two-time Emmy-winning actor Andre Brower passed away last Monday after a brief illness. Brower, 61 at the time of his passing, built a career on playing police officers, notably starring in Brooklyn Nine-Nine as Captain Raymond Holt.
2: Jay, uh, I don't know if you've watched Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um, it is hilarious. It's a great comedy. It's a great show, and Brower is so good in it. Like he has some of the best timed lines. Uh, he uh, was on like Law and Order a number of times over the years as reoccurring as a reoccurring character. So you know, rest in peace uh, to to him. He's uh, he's going to be remembered for a lot of these great roles that he's brought um across these different shows so um you know really really sad to see uh that news so suddenly
3: scotty with a rebuttal and I, I say this not to make light of his passing i say this with the utmost respect but i just want to give a heartfelt nine nine if you know you know
1: <laughs>
0: hmm. yeah i i want to throw out that yeah this one hit me hard uh 61 is young and it sounds like it was as as we read is that after a brief illness, so like sounds sounds sort of unexpected. Um, I yeah, I'm really bummed out by this. He's he's a, uh, um, he was like the life of that show. As as uh, understated as his character could be, he was it. It really gave the show a lot of interest and in life. And um, yeah, really really sad to hear of his passing. Uh, so yes, rest in peace. Hideo Kojima is partnering with A24 to develop a live-action film adaptation for his 2019 video game Death Stranding, which starred Norman Reedus, Mads Mikkelsen, and Guillermo del Toro.
3: Scotty. Most people probably know Hideo Kojima for his uh, development of the Metal Gear Solid series, Uh, but Death Stranding was kind of. It's, it's one of the first productions he's done, done on his own as a as solo developer here. So I think uh, I have not played Death Stranding myself, but I saw the trailer. I've seen some gameplay. It seems like it's really, really out there. Like you see Norman Reedus like cradling like a newborn infant that seems to be attached to him with like some kind of artificial umbilical cord and like Mads Mickelson Mikkel- Mads pops up. Yeah, Guillermo del Toro. So I think A24 seems like the perfect partner for this adaptation. And it seems like video games are kind of on the rise In terms of like the new, you know, superhero genre, we've we've kind of talked about like what is the next big thing gonna be. And I think video game adaptations are are certainly making a case for themselves.
0: For sure. While speaking with Entertainment Tonight to promote Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, star Jason Momoa admitted it was unlikely that he'd portray the King of Atlantis again in any future films. Matt. What what are you doing, Jason? What are you doing? You're breaking ranks too early, bud.
2: <laughs> it's even like, worse than I thought it would be. Like I thought, I thought he would be teasing. <laughs> I thought James would be out there teasing. No yeah. way, baby. They're like, this is this is it. No, and that's it. We, we've we've criticized them teasing. Like
0: possibly, who knows? But just saying, like, no, I'm done. This this <laughs> this, this movie goes any goes nowhere after this. Um, and I mean, if you're gonna do that, at least say like come out real strong with like this is the end of my character. This is like the strong ending, but I don't think they knew that when they wrote this movie. So like it's not probably a strong swan song. It's probably like another outing in a series that's going to go nowhere.
1: Um tiny, but they've branded the most random things to publicize this film. Like I keep finding <laughs> them and sending them to Jay, like <laughs> aluminum water bottles and I'm like, "Is this 2008? What are you Save doing?" Save the oceans. Yeah, save the oceans, which, like, <laughs> s- right, but, you know, I mean, it's uh, it's rough. And, like, my regal app today was like, get your uh, souvenir popcorn and cup, and I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I can't remember if we talked about it, but there was an article like a couple of weeks ago and I, I can't remember who he was talking to, but he basically talked about his future um, in the DCU, And he was like, oh, yeah, over there at Warner, Warner Brothers, they really like me. And I was just kind of thinking, well, I don't think so. Not so much now. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I think right? everybody kind of knows this movie's not going to do great, but you're like actively tanking it now.
2: Like not a good look. People who've early screened this movie have said that there is a post-credit scene, too, so I just Mm. am fascinated to know. Like, what could you possibly have left to say? Well, we'll all text
1: you what it is when
0: we see it, Mm. HBO announced that Curb Your Enthusiasm's 12th season will be its final, consisting of 10 episodes and premiering February 4th.
2: Uh, Jay? Uh, Yeah, I mean, Larry David's played this character in some form for 25 years at this point, and he expressed the sentiment of wanting to close that up and move on uh, to other things and not necessarily be known as like tv's larry david you know or whatever for for the rest of his life um but uh but yeah um encouraging to hear that it will have this conclusion right that it'll it'll come to a point where it's the conclusion is in mind uh with the last season but you know that's a that's a legacy character there that's coming to a close you know when you think about the the overall connection of that character is uh it's a lot bigger than just curb your enthusiasm Mm -hmm.
0: all right per a bloomberg report uh, detailing the status of Netflix, the streaming platform is developing expansions of its most successful franchises with spin-offs of Extraction, Peaky Blinders, Wednesday, and several other currently in the works.
1: Haley? <laughs> um, I don't really know. It seems like the opposite of what the people say they want, right? We, we want the standalone things. We want the more signature IPs.
2: No, we're in our franchise but Netflix
1: era. Netflix is doing the opposite? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, people say they want that, but then they go to see the franchises still. Like, I mean, <laughs> not not to the level they used to, but it's still, when you have a franchise, you have at least a built-in audience. I mean, still the, the rules of franchises still apply. I just think that, like, I think we are taking a little bit of a slide back from the mega franchises. But I think that still recognizable IP is, still has value, I guess. I don't know.
1: I know Margot Robbie asked Killian Murphy if he would do Peaky Blinders again, and he said yes, so maybe mm. that was just kicking this whole thing off.
0: Mm.
3: Okay. I was wondering how much of an impact that uh, Squid Game, like the real Squid Game game, like yeah. uh, has apparently been pretty popular, so I'm wondering how much that has like, motivated their decision to kind of double down on expansions.
0: A Squid Game was just such a cultural crazy moment, and like... Mm. Then they even had you know YouTubers who did. Uh, I think it was Mr. Beast. Didn't Mr. Beast do uh, a, a a a real life Squid Games before they actually did it on Netflix? Um, oh, I
3: wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I don't yeah. know for a fact that he did, but it doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah.
0: So, so I think that like it's just a it's it's a cultural moment. People are going to watch things related to it. I know my niece uh, loves Squid Game, as dark as that is. Uh, I was I was she was she was not in my custody when she watched it. I can't be blamed. <laughs>
2: I'm. I'm assuming we're going to get a spinoff of every character of the Adams family at this point. Like, it's oh just yeah. it's it's happening.
3: I was just going to ask if your niece watched the dubbed or the subbed version of Squid Game because that's the real crime. If she'd watched the dubbed version, because I was, I watched like five seconds of that and I was like, nope, subtitles. <laughs>
0: I think I watched the dubbed version. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not that I mind a subtitled show it just depends on what i'm doing like if i'm really giving it focus or if i need to kind of like be able to look away and like not as sure. focus as hard sure. i think i watched good game in sort of that mode sure adult swim released the first look at rick and morty the anime the spinoff series will debut sometime in 2024 on adult swim and max
2: Jay, um, what's interesting about this, uh, which I didn't, I guess, realize, is that it will be in Japanese, speaking of dubovers, overs yeah. uh, with English subtitles, which I was taken aback by. Um, I did wrap up... Uh, Rick and Morty just wrapped up its seventh season uh, this past Sunday. I did watch that last episode last night, and I felt like this season was very strong overall. Um, and so to deviate from that and go to a new show especially one that is is going to feel very very different. Like even in this short little 30 second mm-hmm. look, like Rick and Summer screaming at each other in Japanese and like it's I mean it's just like <laughs> I was like um that's going to be a a hard pivot um in the franchise. So that's a that's that's interesting uh because there's a lot going on there.
0: Yeah, for sure. Weird weird choice for a spinoff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um Prime has renewed the fantasy comedy series Good Omens, based on the book by Neil Gaiman, which stars David Tennant and Michael Sheen for the third and final season. Matt, I love this show. Love it. Uh, but I did find the second season to be a bit of a dip in quality. And it just, I think that show operated so well in the first season because of how it knew it had an end point. Like it had, it began with the end in mind. And I don't know if you guys have been watching it, but the second season feels a little villain of the weeky, and, and in a way that like, I think lost a lot for the show. So the fact that this is a third and final season is really encouraging to me. Cause I think this show is a show that needs finality. It needs like the scope to be cosmic. And um, I I'm, I'm excited for the third and final season. Really wonderful show. If you haven't seen it, good omens is awesome. A24 released the first official trailer for Alex Garland's action epic Civil War. The film, set in the near future, revolves around the U.S. amid a violent civil war and hits theaters on April 26th.
3: Scotty, yeah. Um, you know, I have made a reputation for myself as the resident A24 guy, but uh, this was an instance where this felt a little too real. When I saw this, I was like, this feels a little too timely. I don't know if I if I want to see this. And it kind of uh, reminded me of another film we got a couple of years ago called The Hunt. But um, I think yeah. The Hunt was just much more obviously like a satire um, and it wore that on its sleeve. And I think it was a little more palatable for that sense. That being said, you know, uh, depending on how they decide to, to tackle the nuance, like this is obviously uh, some conversations that need to be had. And I hope, you know, they don't instigate, you know, more, more <laughs> volatility. Uh, but Alex Garland, I think he's a really interesting filmmaker. I loved uh, his first film with uh, Ex Machina. I liked Annihilation a lot. Uh, his recent one, Men, uh, left something to be desired. Very, very strange third act there. But uh, if anybody could kind of sell me on this concept, I do think he is an interesting choice. And uh, I will be checking this one out eventually uh, in, in uh, April of next year.
0: Tiny Butt, the one thing I thought was strange about the trailer... Uh when I saw it, I-, I felt the same as you. I was like, this feels a little too close to home, a little too real. I don't know if I could sit through this. It's nerve-wracking. But in our current world, the things people are talking about, the dividing lines, people are talking about a civil war possibly have straight breaking out are kind of that right-left divide. And in the trailer they mention that the, the the union that has broken off, one of the unions is like Texas and California. Right. Which I thought it was a really weird decision. And in, in, in they, they show a flag with two stars on it and they're like, Texas and California are, the, are one but, of the factions. And it's like, yeah. those are the, it almost feels like they're, I'm wondering how directly they're gonna take on the ideas that are happening in our world today
3: Yeah. I mean, California is certainly known for its, you know, liberal, liberal sensibilities. But as a person that, you know, lives in California, I think a lot of people would be surprised once you get removed from the major cities and, Mm -hmm. you know, get more into the desert. Like that, that Texas sentiment is, you know, I won't say the entire Texas sentiment, but that, you know, uh, you know what I'm trying to say here. (laughs) That that certain (laughs) political bend is a little more common than you might think. The politics are very different in the rural areas. Yeah,
0: for sure. For sure. I've heard that. I've heard that a long time. Um, and maybe that's what they're going with. It's like, maybe they, whatever, some sort of attack happens and they take out the cities or something, you know, whatever.
1: I mean, you can say that for most major cities and then rural outlying places in this country, that tends to be the sentiment. And I've seen articles that are like, if you want to truly affect change, depending on what you believe in, then you want to actually go to those rural, smaller towns and cities in our country. It's very interesting.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Amazon and the Tolkien estate have won a legal battle against the author uh, Demetrius Polychron, who claimed that the streaming series Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, had infringed on his book The Fellowship of the King. Um... (laughs) That feels (laughs) infringy itself. (laughs) Uh, Sorry. Well, the courts would agree with you. (laughs) (laughs) The California judge dismissed Polychron's lawsuit, granted a permanent injunction against him, and ordered him to pay $134,637 in attorney's fees to both Amazon and Tolkien's estate, deeming his copyright claim unreasonable and frivolous from the beginning.
1: Haley, yo, this guy's crazy. He really said, I'm going to take on Amazon and the Tolkien Estate and win. And that obviously wasn't the case. And I love, too, that he tried to pitch these as sequels. So, The Fellowship of the King. And then his next one was going to be The Two Trees. Uh. <laughs> Oh, i'm so glad we this got man wrote
2: that. fan fiction of lord of yeah, the rings and yeah. then he had the audacity to say you are stepping on my fan fiction oh my of God. your work and now he owes six figures oh <laughs> dude. yeah that's that's Pain. painful that is painful Ugh. yeah uh, it's great tiny
3: but demetrius poly Cron, like that has to be a pseudonym, right? Oh, he's like, 100% to be.
1: a robot, right? This I is mean- another simulation. <laughs> this, this,
2: the simulation is so lazy now. Like, this yeah. is lazy, this, <laughs> this is lazy is writing. <laughs> it,
0: it, it, definitely an AI bot that wrote weird <laughs> fan fiction. Um, yeah, this is interesting too. I feel like this is, I feel like this is at least a world where people can understand a little better. I, I, I hear all the time my musician friends. Uh, when we're, like, riding in the van, we'll be talking about, oh, did you hear about the lawsuit that this song is based on this song? And, like, there's a lawsuit about it. And it's so ho- it's so much harder for the layman who's making these decisions and, like, juries are trying to make these decisions. And it's like, no, it just has a 4-4 four, four beat or, like, it has this chord progression, but that chord progression is in a thousand songs. It's so hard to uh, – it's it's harder to do. And in stories, I feel like at least it's a little easier to be like, oh, yeah, your your book's called Fellowship of the King, man. Come on. Come on. <laughs> I just
1: get a kick out of these – people who think they're going to take on these giants like there's a theme park apparently in I think Utah called Evermore and they tried to sue Taylor Swift and it was like really? You want to go down that road with the most Probably powerful woman on the planet. And of course she countersued because one of their volunteers was like, you know, they perform your songs without license. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It just, she's got agents everywhere. Of this kind of thing. Mm-hmm.
3: There's a guy known as the Florida Joker. Who's been trying to sue Rockstar all week because of the GTA six trailer. And it's like, if Lindsay Lohan wasn't successful back 10 years ago when GTA five came out, what makes you think you're going to have a leg to stand on here?
0: Yeah.
1: Hey, but they can try. They can try.
0: I hate the idea that it is that, that if they're the more powerful person always wins, but that is pretty true with, you know, you get the most powerful, you get the more expensive lawyers are normally the ones you're going to win. But I, I, I do hate that. But also when it's as frivolous as this, it's right. like, yeah, it's no, no, it's no I longer hate punching like that, down.
1: But when you, it's like you put no thought to this and now you're going to try to, Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Paramount debuted the first look at John Krasinski's upcoming film, If, which explores the concept of abandoned imaginary friends and features a star-studded cast, including Ryan Reynolds, Emily Blunt, and Steve Carell. The fantasy comedy is set to hit theaters on May 17th, 2024.
3: Scotty? Yeah, I'd heard about this film and saw the concept on paper and it, you know, was kind of one of my most highly anticipated for 2024. And I liked the trailer, but I wanted to love it, and I just felt like something kind of wasn't clicking for me. And uh, you know, I think Steve Carell as the the voice for this imaginary creature, like it really feels like a Pixar film come to life. Like I kind of got inside out brought to, you know, live mm. action kind of vibes, which that all really worked for me. But I do think the the kind of weekly Weak link here might be Ryan Reynolds, and um, you know he's serviceable in the role. But I think this might have been an opportunity to you know give somebody else, like an up and comer, like a, a chance to you know dabble in a really fun and ridiculous world. But uh, mm. we'll see. A lot of lot of great talent attached to this one.
2: Haley's like, are we shit talking Ryan Reynolds? Like,
1: hey, I'm just here, I'm just here so I don't get fined. Okay. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I like Ryan Reynolds for the most part, but I kind of I I understand why people don't and i like i said last week i do think he's a little bit of a one note actor mm. um but you know he's still really likable so
0: for sure that one note though yeah plays it, so it's a be, note plays that note beautifully <laughs> fx has renewed comedy series what we do in the shadows for a sixth and final season
3: scotty yeah this feels right um it's this is a show that i've really enjoyed uh we actually covered it on panda Vision for a few seasons but i think just like our general reception and excitement to the show as it's gone on. Like it's kind of waning, it's losing a little bit of the magic. So I think this just kind of feels like, you know, the right time. Let them go out on a high note, say what they want to say, and uh, let's just remember the show fondly before it has gone on for way too long.
0: James Gunn has verified that Matt Reeves is not only extending the Batman universe, but is also creating a DC universe series called the arkham series the confirmation came in response to a fan inquiry on social media about reeves involvement in the broader dc universe alongside his work on the batman 2 jay um this (laughs) i
1: was saving With the weight of the world yeah. on his shoulders, oh, he that said. was such a heavy Jay.
2: <laughs> Jay, this is so dumb that like I felt like I had heard it wrong. That it was it was so dumb. <laughs> like I was like, "There's no way that I, there's no way that I read what I thought I just read." Which is that <laughs> someone asked James Gunn, "Hey, you know the guy Matt Reeves that directed the Batman? Uh, what else is he working on with the Batman?" Which we have always been told since the beginning exists as its own thing. (laughs) Own thing. Nothing touches it. (laughs) Matt Reeves is in charge, okay? And it's his vision and whatever. And James Gunn comes back and goes, well, yeah, he's doing the Batman Part 2. He's doing the Penguin. All of these have to do in that universe. And then somebody else followed up with like, wasn't he supposed to be doing an Arkham series in that same universe? And James Gunn goes, oh, he's doing an Arkham series, but it's for the DCU. So it's like, (laughs) We're just so you've already started <laughs> taking these things and you're already gonna start crossing the wires like like uh-huh. you're, we're gonna bring in uh, that is so confusing like that I'm already confused on how is the tone gonna match up is it gonna be like we're gonna develop all these villains over here for robert pattinson and we're gonna develop all these villains over here for whoever is batman in the dcu and i'm just like i just i can't believe that he said that because and it's not that he said it it. it's just that that's the reality is that he's like well no that's that's ours (laughs) that's dcu i'm just like Please call me whenever you're releasing something. Like I, I'm, so, like I'm, like I don't know. It's just I don't, I don't get this, and it makes it just. Do you want to? Do you want to connect it or not? You know, like just tell me. It almost feels like James Gunn is making a power play. Like he's like, we're gonna get Batson in the in the DCU. You just wait, Matt. Like we're getting them yeah. in. But in a wider sense, I feel like. I don't know, like, is this just him not being able to tell people no to stuff? Like, you know, like, is this what happens when you put a creative person in charge and you, right. you put a suit on him and you're like, you're the boss now? Like, just he says yes to everybody? Like, I don't know. Um, but <sighs> this is weird and confusing and I'm out. <laughs> never stop <laughs> we went from uh, last few weeks we've been saying like he really just
0: needs to run these things by a PR person before he uh, sends them out and now Jay is personally volunteering please just <laughs> <Pro> call <bono. laughs> me just call me I will advise you on how dumb the thing you're gonna say is <laughs> 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 Oh, we should just always save the James Gunn stories for
2: last just, yeah like, this was a very James Gunn heavy laugh. episode yeah it was very heavy
1: sponsor us james (laughs) i mean yeah
2: i mean i'm not uh, you know i'm not uh not crapping on you here james but just uh i don't know maybe get off threads for a little bit you know (laughs) just just delete the app you don't have to delete your account just maybe delete your app from your phone you know or like just like that way you're on it less or something
0: it's just terrible because he's made some of my favorite content in the last few many years. And I still am just like, I, everything he says, it sounds so dumb and makes me want to see things less. And I hate that. Oh man. Okay. Well, uh, that's the show. That's, that's the news that we have for today. Uh, let's run around and tell everybody where we can find you online. Haley Hobbs.
1: Yep. You can find me at source pages. We don't really have much coming out this month of December. Cause, uh, Just other stuff going on, I guess, but we did read some What If comics, and I will say along the lines of What If, I think they're going to do that Marvel 1602 run, so that's something fun to read if you haven't, and that's also written by Neil Gaiman.
0: Sweet.
2: And uh, Jay Sisson, where can they find you online, bud? Yeah, you can get me at Commute the Podcast. Uh, me and my co-host Dave like to talk about interesting things in about 20 minutes or so. So we usually cover about three on an episode. Uh, so come check us out, Commute the Podcast, anywhere you get podcasts.
0: Awesome. And Jay, Scotty St. Clair.
3: Animation Deliberation is the place to find me. It's the podcast that takes action animation and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. Yeah, so all this mention of What If Season 2, we're certainly excited for it and looking forward to breaking it down.
0: Awesome, yeah we uh, we are as well. Mar- Marvel Cinematic Heroes podcast. We'll be covering uh, what if, uh, and I I'm still kind of waiting to try to figure out exactly when we're dropping what and everything, but we are going to drop every day a something, even if it's me solo. But hopefully, uh, Jeff and Jay Scotty, and if you guys are free, feel free to join me. <laughs> like I'm probably going to need some co hosts for
2: those days, yeah, so uh, I'll be yeah. around.
0: Jay
1: Sweet. and I are going to be on winter break soon.
0: <laughs>
2: I, got, I got like two and a half days. Of just, <laughs> or wait, one and a half days. Yeah, man. Um, Thursday, yeah, that's I'm it. Str- I'm struggling. <laughs> Oof.
0: All right. We'll be back. Uh, we, we hope you do well, Jay.
2: You know, I'm going to beat it, and then I'm going to get another one next time. So it's just <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> 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 two things are inevitable on this podcast. We're going to talk about James Gunn, and I'm going to be sick.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm talking about James Gunn. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> All right. We'll be back soon, guys. Peace.
3: You stay classy, multiverse.